Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, and welcome to part two of my chat with handsome Dr. Sean Cassidy. If you haven't listened to part one yet, it might be best to go back and listen to that first, otherwise this might not make a huge amount of sense. And also, he's got a lovely Irish accent, so why wouldn't you want to, really? You're listening to Probably True. Please be aware that this podcast may contain strong language and adult themes. It would be boring without them. If I were diagnosed with HIV, is it like a bag full of pills every day? Will I be rattling as I walk and things like that? Or We've moved away from that. So yeah, like in, in the 80s when they were still trying out treatments and experimenting, that you know, people would be taking multiple pills a day, several times a day. The majority of people these days will, will take one or two pills in the morning and that's it. Like you're popping a vitamin or something. I was going to say, yeah, I have a Barocca most mornings, so, <laughs> yeah. you know, same thing. And it's, you know, obviously the implications are slightly different in that it's a treatment that you have to take for the rest of your life. You have to take it every day. So it's a slightly different mindset, I guess. But once you kind of come around to that, then it's actually really simple. So medical science has advanced to the point where I can take a couple of pills a day and I don't have to worry about it, I don't have to think about it, I can just go on and have a normal life. Is that kind of... Well, I mean, yeah, and I think it's I think it's really important that we focus on that when we're talking to patients in the sense that it is very, very much a livable chronic condition. So we try and liken it to things like diabetes or high blood pressure, where it's just a pill that you take a day and, and that kind of controls it. And it should mean that it has no effect on your physical health. I think it's really important that we don't ignore some of the other baggage that comes with HIV. So particularly a lot among the the kind of psychological end of things and the stigma that surrounds it. HIV is still massively stigmatising. People are still afraid of it, despite all the advances that we've made in treatment, but also PrEP and, and everything else. As doctors and as clinicians, we love to be guided by numbers. So it's nice to be able to say to someone, you know, your CD4 count is 800 and your viral load is undetectable. This is good news. And they might burst into tears because actually someone's rejected them on Grindr or on Tinder or something because of their HIV status, who's uneducated and maybe doesn't, you know, know a about bit these of a things. Dick. A massive dick. You know, so we have to kind of take that into account as well. I think that's that's kind of just as important, if not more important than the the science and the numbers behind it, because it's a multifaceted condition i hope we're turning a corner but like i say it's it's still early days i think people's attitudes and beliefs are are actually really fixed and and difficult to shift so so once people have some kind of idea in their head it's it takes a lot of work to to kind of get around that and to try and change that a large part of your job i imagine is like educating people getting these things across instead of it just being fear and rumors and stuff like that because we never learn anything about it at school no and yeah as someone who went to a catholic all boys school you know i've 
barely learned what sex was myself so uh, <laughs> <laughs> had to just do the hard graft myself but more of that later enough about uh, <laughs> your hard graft <laughs> and it's often educating you know people who are living with HIV too because because they've lived through that that stigma and that shame and they often have a lot of preconceptions about what that means for them so a lot of that is kind of breaking that down for them I mean that could be one of the best things of my job is to kind of tell people that actually once they're stable on treatment that actually the risk of passing it on is basically zero so that's been really empowering tell me a little bit more about that yeah so there's a snazzy new concept called u equals u which um which isn't about me it's not like <laughs> i equal me well it's no. always about you scott isn't it's it very true Deep Correct answer. Um, this has kind of uh, come into, I guess, parlance over the last few years based on a few really large scale research projects looking at transmission in what we call serodiscordant partners. And what I mean by that is where it just means that one is living with HIV and one is HIV negative. Okay, so if I, as a someone who doesn't have HIV, mm-hmm. was dating someone with HIV, that would be a serodiscordant yes, relationship. Yes, exactly, yeah. Because we, we don't both have the same status. Yeah, discordant because, because yeah, because you're different uh, status. Yeah, exactly. So, so what they looked at was, this is um, heterosexual and gay couples, and they followed them over uh, many years of sexual... <laughs> Encounters, shall we say? Just just followed them, sexual. like peering through the window. <laughs> sexual episodes. And for several years, by the end of the project, they'd recorded about 80,000 episodes of sex. Can you even imagine 80,000? <laughs> well, I've been on holiday to Gran Canaria, so, you know. It's only there a week, but I, I'll give it a go. Well, I'm exhausted thinking about that. That's a lot of sex. Within... You'd be sore, wouldn't you? <laughs> Red raw. Sorry, carry on. And there were zero transmissions. Wow. Zero. Big fat zero. So now, not, not nearly zero, not statistically zero, but actual absolutely. none. Now, there were some episodes uh, or there were some new HIV transmissions but through fancy scientific testing where they were able to sequence the the viral genetic material they were able to determine that it wasn't transmitted from the partner that was in the study with them does that make sense hang on just a second so that would be like if me and my fictional boyfriend who has HIV were to have a threesome with another guy who whether we knew it or not also had HIV but he would have a slightly different strain. Yes, yeah, exactly. This, yeah. It, okay. In the same way that like the there's different flu strains because there was H1N1 and stuff yeah. like that. So you can tell where it came from. Essentially. Yeah. So, sort of. So yeah. So obviously, like I said before, like HIV mutates really rapidly. So it's possible to get some idea of whether it came from a particular partner or not, if that okay. makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So, so they were able to determine through this that n- none of the transmissions were from the partner that was undetectable on treatment. Amazing. So when their viral load was below 200 and they were on treatment, they were unable to pass it on. The crazy thing <laughs> no is that... how hard they <laughs> yeah, tried. <yeah>, exactly. <laughs> 80,000. Wow. Uh, and the thing that we're taught in med school is like that we never deal in absolutes. If there's a possible risk of something, then it's a risk. But I think that actually with this, with U equals U, which stands for, by the way, undetectable equals untransmittable, I think we are able to say that statistically there is zero risk. And that's really, really empowering for us, for our our patients. It's been incredible. It's been really amazing. And the reason I think that's been, been really empowering is that if you tell someone there is a very low risk 
of you passing on this infection. What they're going to hear is there is a risk. Whereas now we can say there is zero risk. And that has been a real game changer. So it's been it's been amazing. That's brilliant. As long as you take your pills. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Wow, that's great. That's And that's presumably a large part of what's helping cut down the number of new infections and uh... yeah definitely so so we've seen like a massive fall in hiv diagnoses in gay and bisexual men in london and further afield actually it's not just in london and i think that's kind of explained by you know the fact that we're treating people earlier so in the past we used to wait until their cd4 count fell below a certain number before we would start treatment. And the reason for that was because we didn't know the long-term effects of giving people you know, pills for the rest of their life. Whereas now we know that they're safe to take long-term. So mm-hmm. we generally start people as soon as they're diagnosed, if they're ready. And we know that that's, that's massively helpful in terms of reducing, because it's that the, the time you're most likely to transmit it is when you don't know that you have it. So when your viral load is going to be highest is like, you know, before you've been diagnosed yeah. um, and before you're on treatment. So early treatment, PrEP, U equals U, it's all been a massive boost in terms of reducing rates. So it's, yeah, the future does look bright. Awesome. And to go back to that 80s advert, it's about not dying of ignorance. Like If you know, you can deal with it. It's the ignorance that's the issue. Yeah, and I think that's something that I personally really struggle with when I'm presented with someone who just doesn't want to test, how you kind of explore that. And, you know, it's it's difficult for me to get my head around, I'll be honest. I sometimes struggle with that because I'm just like, just test, because why wouldn't you want to know? But some people have lived through those really dark times mm. and they've maybe seen all of their friends die from this and maybe just aren't up to speed with how different things are now and how far we've come so it's it's difficult to get my head around but you know you have to appreciate that people come at this from different backgrounds and different experiences i guess just the knowledge helps get rid of some of the stigma as well and once you like are quite educated it gets rid of that whole kind of it does and you know what i don't like i say i'd I'd hate to kind of use broad brush strokes because not everyone's the same and i definitely have patients who really really struggle you know despite everything despite the fact that they're on treatment and and they're undetectable and can't pass it on you know and difficult to i'd hate to underestimate the kind of psychological burden that some people have but you know everyone's different and everyone will kind of process things in a slightly different way and some people will take longer to process these things vast majority of people live very normal healthy lives and and like i say live for as long as people who are hiv negative so that can only be a good thing excellent (laughs) that seemed like a good place to finish our chat but we still had some time left so i decided before we put our clothes back on to play a game HIV myth busting. So I'm going to throw a myth, what I have heard out in the wild from people talking to me. And you can tell me if this is a a stupid thing or not. First one, tops can't catch HIV. They can only transmit it because it's the one that gets, essentially, it's the one that gets the jizz in them that catches HIV. (laughs) Oh, it's completely false. Okay. Does anyone actually think that? (laughs) Apparently so. I've been, I've been like... Uh, Some guy, this was a few years ago, was like, oh, yeah, like, I really love bareback sex. And I'm like, that's not, this was before preps. I'm like, that's a really bad idea. He's like, no, it's fine. I'm a top. I can't catch it. And I'm like, you're an idiot is what you are. Yeah. I mean, look, the overall risk is lower, but no, you can still absolutely get 
HIV if you're a top. And the reason for that is there are quite high concentrations of HIV in anal mucus. Uh, Again with the anal mucus. <laughs> Again, you're obsessed. The sexy terms. Mm. So yeah, in untreated HIV, yeah, you can get a lot of kind of secretions, uh, a lot, a lot of uh, virus present in the secretions. So it can be passed on and absorbed through the end of the penis. I guess the reason that the risk is higher if you are the bottom or the receptive partner is because the rectum can bleed and is prone to trauma and it's also very very well supplied with blood so it's so it's just it's just a, an easy route for the virus to get in so the risk is higher but no if, uh, if people think that that's um that is silly <laughs> cool uh myth number two hiv is a gay disease Wow. <laughs> so if this was 1981, uh, <laughs> uh, I'd still say no. But 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 no, we've come so far that I think that the number of heterosexuals living with HIV far outweighs the number of gay and bisexual men. No, absolutely not. It can it can affect anyone. It can be passed on through childbirth, like I say. It can be passed on through sharing needles as well if you use recreational drugs. So no, it doesn't it doesn't follow that it's just gay men. Myth number three <laughs> condoms don't stop HIV from being transmitted. <laughs> this myth, uh, just by the way, was the Pope said yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I get all my sexual advice from the Catholic Church. Uh, again, in the 80s, the Catholic Church were promoting these messages, which is terrifying. Condoms will prevent HIV. Condoms are not 100% effective at preventing any STI but they're probably the best that we've got including children <laughs> exactly the the most famous STI of all <laughs> so so I guess the thing the thing with prep is that a lot of people are like oh does that mean I can stop using condoms and just bear back all the time well yeah but <laughs> <Excellent>. <laughs> but you can still pass on any other STI so so condoms are actually the best effective method of contraception that we have even though they're probably not very fashionable anymore but but yeah they work so so yeah if people use them then great and if you want to use a condom and the person you're trying to have sex with doesn't want you to if they like kick up a fuss don't have sex with them absolutely simple as that absolutely kick them out you can tell just by looking at someone if they have hiv absolutely not true absolutely not true and again i think things have changed since the early 80s when we had more of the complications around around hiv and aids people will kind of remember like things like philadelphia so that tom hanks film where you know he had kind of purple blotches etc again you know very stigmatizing but we don't we don't see that so most people these days are completely well controlled on treatment and they might be bodybuilders they might be old <laughs> 80 year olds it's all kind of body sizes it's all kind of body shapes and and there's no you know there's no way that you can tell from looking at someone at, at all final hiv myth the humans got the disease because someone fucked a monkey <laughs> well the answer is we don't really know i'm speculating here i don't think it was from someone fucking a monkey but i mean <laughs> i wasn't there who knows who knows what they got up to back in the day it's likely to have been transmitted from a monkey but it's probably just from blood contact so it may someone had killed and eaten a monkey i i don't know what do people do with monkeys well all sorts of things <laughs> it depends what you're up to doesn't it mm. yeah it's likely that at some point it's passed from from monkeys to to humans but we think it's probably been around for 
like a lot longer than you might think. So maybe like 50 to 100 years. I, I don't think there's any way we'll probably know for certain. But yeah, like there's definitely been proposed cases way earlier than the 80s. It's just because, like I said, that at the time there was that cluster, they kind of put two and two together and, and worked out that something was, something was afoot. Brilliant. Thank you so much for joining me for this. My pleasure. If people want to get in touch, like not to send you like pictures of their monkey knobs <laughs> so you can then... But Which like, does happen, really? FYI. Or on Twitter, you're like, hey, does this look right to you? And I'm like, mom, really? <laughs> Stop tweeting me. Oh, she loves you. Oh, I hope she doesn't listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> I hope she does. Yeah. So what are your socials? How can oh, people okay. find you? You can find me on Twitter at Dr. Underscore Sean C. Do not send him pictures of your knob <laughs> unless he expressly asks yeah, for them. unless I've given consent. <laughs> and if people wanted to know more about HIV and sexual health, I mean, they could just Google it, but are there any particular places <laughs> they should go and look for stuff? I mean, there's lots of great services. So, I mean, a lot of the London clinics are really kind of geared up, have loads of great advice and support services there's a few organizations that i should name check because they're amazing so lgbt hero does a lot of work around sexual health advice for people who are uh, part of the lgbt community terence higgins trust obviously very well known uh, has a lot of great stuff on their website as well so, so there's a lot of info out there but it's just about you know getting onto it but yeah just google it just Google Just it. Just Google it. Get on the Google. That's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> green ooze. Just like... Yeah. No, green ooze I'm on top of. Uh, I know uh, what. And on that note. <laughs> uh, brilliant. Thank you so much for this. It's oh, been, it's it's been, been really an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. No worries. Next time I'll have you back and we'll tell some uh, gross yet funny story from, from your personal history. About green ooze. Why not? Sure. Yeah. Like, <laughs> up the walls. Drowning in green ooze, if you like. Can't Jesus. wait. Oh, I feel sick. <laughs> that was probably true. The multi-award-winning storytelling series written and produced by me, the multi-award-winning Scott Flashheart. It was designed to remind all of my queer siblings that we are none of us alone. You can find links, transcripts of every episode, and all that good stuff at probablytruepodcast.com. If you enjoyed or found value in anything you've heard today, you can support the show on Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash probablytrue. And if you want to get in touch, just search Probably True Podcast on the socials. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.